0: The advice and opinions expressed during this program are specific to the individual subjects and are based upon their unique circumstances. This program is intended to provide general information only to a wide audience. For advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a local professional.
1: I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Welcome to Oprah's 2020 Visionary Talks. From the stage of my own 2020 vision, your life in focus tour, WW Weight Watchers Reimagine and I, Join forces to bring you candid conversations with some of the world's most famous trailblazers whose story of wellness will empower you to discover the highest truest vision for your life. All right, we ready? We're ready. So when I decided to hit the road with WW for a full day of wellness, I knew one of the things I wanted to do was to invite some of the country's most influential trailblazers and game-changing thinkers in the world to join me. So these are the rare few who have actually channeled their fame and harnessed their own experiences to become a force for all that it means to be well and to do well in this world. So I'm honored that my very first guest came to Fort Lauderdale to share herself with all of us today. Please welcome the incomparable Lady Gaga. That L shoot. Hey. How are you? Welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having welcome, me. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome. Let the people absorb it all. <clears throat> Thanks for coming. I, I, I was saying to reporters yesterday, I was really nervous about asking you. First of all, because i it's one of those things. I, <laughs> I was.
2: So nervous about asking you. And then you asked me, and I was like, move my vacation, i do anything for Oprah. Oh. And that's why, because you know, people are usually on vacation
1: and just sort of getting back into the new year, but the fact that you said yes so immediately, when we were actually uh, having a conversation that ended up in Elle magazine, and you were so forthcoming and so honest, that I was like, we need to be sharing this with some people on the stage. So thank you. Thank you so much. Don't go anywhere, more to come after this short break.
0: No two travelers are exactly alike. And that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip match to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's traveltexas.com slash Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at macys.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: So we've been talking about vision and everyone gave up their Saturday to come out and start the process of getting clarity for their own vision. They knew you were coming too, so I think you were part of it.
2: Uh. I think I think this stadium would have been full without me, Oprah, I'm pretty sure you can fill the room.
1: I think it's the whole package, that people are seeking higher ground for themselves. People are looking to make the best life possible for And themselves. you know what?
2: What? I want that for every person in this room, and I want it for the world. Yes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I want to know when you got clarity for yourself about the vision of creating
2: Gaga. Well, you know, at first, when I was younger, I, I went through a lot of struggles in high school. I was really bullied. I didn't feel good about myself. And I got made fun of. Like, why do you want to be a singer? Why do you want to be a musician? Why do you want to be an actress? And I, I felt so secluded and isolated. And uh, it, it was time. Once I dropped out of college, I will admit, <laughs> stay in school. Um, uh, but I dropped out of college because I was like, I, I have to pursue my dreams as a musician. This is what I want. And. It was uh, in creating Gaga that I was able to create a superhero for myself. It was a vision for the me that I wanted to be. I wanted to be confident. I wanted to be uh, filled with self-compassion. I wanted to be filled with compassion for others. And I wanted to share my story and my vision of the world with the world. And so you created this sort of alter person. Gaga, who who now has become me also. I mean, I don't know what happened, but it just sort of went, but but that's what happens when you have a vision for yourself. You see, you can be here, right? And then you have your vision and then all of a sudden, the two merge, they come together,
1: you become aligned. Yes. And you say that Lady Gaga create the creation of Gaga actually gave Stephanie the wings to
2: fly. Gaga, myself, has given me the wings to fly. And what I was going to you know, add is that now, after almost over a decade of being in the industry, I really recognize my position that people are watching me. Now, I could hyper-focus on being objectified or being in tabloids or being gossiped about, but you know what? I'm thinking to myself, oh, the world is watching, and I have something important to say and I want to change people's lives, and now my mission is different, and I have a responsibility to this whole world. Yes. one of the things that
1: we discussed in Elle, one of the things that surprised me when we talked about it in, in uh, the recent Elle magazine, you were saying, I was saying you have spent a lot of time shocking the world. That meat dress was the first time we all like were kind of aghast. And you said you have now reached a point in your life where you don't feel
2: the need to create some identity of shocking people. Yes, I think it was something that I enjoyed uh, uh, to bemuse people, you know, so that they would listen to the music and that there was sort of a state of confusion of who is this woman? I don't really, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like, you know, watching a train wreck, <laughs> you know, but, The truth is that that was part of my art form was how do I get people to see and watch and listen and become engaged with me on a personal level even though it felt quite superficial I think for a lot of people and it's changed since then because number one uh it's no longer shocking to have pink hair Uh, and uh, number two uh, I think the most shocking thing that I could possibly do is be completely vulnerable and honest with you about my life, how what I've been through, the struggles that I've seen that I've also been a part of, and share that with the world so that I can help other people who are suffering. And one of those things that I deeply care about is mental health. Yes.
1: <clears throat> Gaga has agreed so graciously to be a part of a series that I'm doing for Apple TV with Prince Harry, on mental health, and she's agreed to allow us actually to follow her through a lot of the process. One of the things that struck me when you were at the Oscars and everybody started whispering about, was it true that you and Bradley were or were not or were not or were not? And and Gaga,
2: tell them what you told me. I said we did a really good job at fooling everyone. (laughs) Because they're actors. We created that. They created the whole thing, because it wouldn't have worked if you didn't believe that they were in love. I mean, I don't know if everyone here knows who Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire were, but would you have wanted to watch them perform and look like they hated each other? (laughs) Yeah. So, one of the things I loved was your speech, where you
1: laid it all out there in the few seconds that you had. You said, if you're home and you're watching this right now, all I have to say is this is hard work. I've worked hard for a long time and it's not about just winning, it's about not giving up. And if you have a dream, fight for it. And this is a part I love so much y'all, this is worth a quote. There's a discipline for passion and it's not about how many times you get rejected or you fall down or you've been beaten up. It's how many times you stand up and are brave and you keep on going. I just love that. There's a discipline
2: for passion. Thank you. There is, there is a discipline for passion. And guess what? This book that you've given everyone today, this entire event, this is also an exercise in a discipline of passion for yourself. This is the time that is for you to give back to you. When you give back to yourself, you sit in a state of gratitude and then you are able to give to those around you and be kind. That is how we heal the world. So, someone had asked you, what do you see
1: when you look at that Oscar and you say you see a lot of pain? And was that because of the hard work or is that because of the actual physical, mental pain that you had to go through up until that moment to get it?
2: Well, uh, it's not a huge secret, but some of you might not know in the uh, audience tonight or who's watching, Uh, but I struggle with mental health issues, and I struggle also with uh, chronic pain, uh, some call it fibromyalgia, uh, or neuropathic pain. What does that mean, fibromyalgia? What does that mean? That is a very big question, Oprah. So fibromyalgia is essentially a chronic pain condition that makes uh, your body hurt uh, through your brain. Now, someone that might be watching this, that has it, might be saying, don't tell me that my fibromyalgia is in my head because my whole body hurts. And even sitting here with you today, I am in head to toe pain, but, What's interesting about it is that I have found through neuropsych research and my relationship with my doctors that fibromyalgia can be treated through mental health therapy. And mental health is a medical condition. It should be treated as a medical condition. It should not be ignored. And I... I, So,
1: So twice you've said you have mental health issues. Yes. What does that mean for you? Because as I was sharing with you on the phone, I have a girls' school with girls who've come from traumatic backgrounds. Yes. And I didn't know until I started the school, because I had this idea that I'm going to create the school and everybody's going to come and they're going to get an education and they're going to go out in the world and everything's going to be fabulous. I had no idea the
2: impact that trauma yes. has on your mental health. Well... I- I've shared this with you, and I will share it again, very vulnerably with all of you. I could open my book and read it, but I'll just tell you. So I was raped repeatedly when I was 19 years old, and I also uh, developed PTSD and- As a result of the rape? As a result of being raped, and uh, also not processing that trauma. Uh, I did not have anyone help me. I did not have a therapist, I did not have a psychiatrist, I did not have a doctor help me through it. I just all of a sudden became a star and was traveling the world going from hotel room to garage to limo to, to stage and I never dealt with it. And then all of a sudden I started to experience this incredible intense pain throughout my entire body that mimicked actually the Illness that I felt after I was raped. So, what that is. Were you called, raped by
1: someone you knew?
2: I was raped by someone that I knew repeatedly, um, and it was a uh, a trauma response. So, when you asked me about what fibromyalgia is, what I would like for you to know and to shine a light on is that many people don't know what it is, and we need to all get together and figure this out. And this is how we're going to do it. There's the neuropsych aspect. There's also an immunity aspect that where there is a possibility that the immune system has something to do with fibromyalgia or trauma response or neuropathic pain, whatever you wanna call it. And there's also some similarities uh, in my condition to autoimmune diseases, but fibromyalgia is not an autoimmune disease. So what I take an oath as a commitment today with you is it's 2020, and for the next decade and maybe longer, I'm going to get the smartest scientists, doctors, psychiatrists, mathematicians, researchers, and professors in the same room together, and we are going to go through each problem one by one, and we are going to solve this mental health crisis. This
0: episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Something should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: So when you are raped and you have no way of processing that, The triggers come in all forms, in ways that you cannot predict and show up in your life in areas that at at the time you don't know that this is mental illness. You shared with me that you became a cutter. I did. I have scars. And that you have scars from cutting. Can you explain to me because I have girls at my school who cut and I, I still to this day don't understand. What it means, and I know if you are in this audience, some of you have raised daughters who were cutters. Yes. What it, what what what
2: is that? Well, I like to say I used to cut. Yeah. Um, as opposed to saying cutter, and I I think I did say that with you with yes. you in our interview. Um, I love you too, sweetheart. Um, uh, I like to say I used to cut as opposed to I am a cutter because then that like, like I, then I identify with it, yeah. and that's not healthy for me. And when you speak things out into existence, you're feeding back something to your brain that right, you don't want right, to. Right, right, right. So I used to cut. Cutting, for me, I believe, uh, happens uh, for a variety of reasons. I also used to throw myself against the wall. I mean, I used to do some horrible things to myself when I was in pain. And the truth is, is there's two reasons I believe that this happens, and this is my own personal expertise just from my experience, is that for half a second, right, if you cut, you get some relief from the other pain that you're feeling because you have pain somewhere else. But then after, what happens is, is then you see the blood, and then you feel chaotic, and then you spiral more and more out of control, and it is actually not helpful in any way, and it is going to make your spiral worse. It will make the neurotic state that you're in something that is going to be prolonged instead of shortening the amount of time that you're in it. Another reason, though, that people cut also is to show. And my mom and I always say with Born This Way Foundation, tell me, don't show me. So sometimes I would cut because I didn't want to feel pain and other times I would cut because I wanted to show people that I was in so much pain. That you were in pain. That I needed help.
1: Yeah. And so when you were speaking on stage at the Oscars about working, it's not, about winning it's about never giving up all the times you were beaten up and you kept getting up what kept you getting up
2: all of you (laughs) and women like you faith inspiration hope and I also have to say I have to say it and I know that this is controversial in a lot of ways, but medicine really helped me. And I I, I think a lot of people are afraid of medicine for their brains to help them. And I really want to just erase the stigma around this because I, I'm sick of saying it over and over and over again. And also, by the way, if your primary care doctor is prescribing you an antidepressant. This should not be happening. Your primary care doctor should be introducing you to a psychiatrist who is an expert in brain medication. And what, what moves me so much in this space and why I want to work so heavily and much more thoroughly through it in the future is that not everybody has access to these things. And not everybody has the money for these things. And I want the money for it. I want the best doctors in the world. And I want us to understand the brain and all get on the same page about it so that Gen Z does not have to deal with this the way that we are right now. Mental health is a crisis. And so medication has helped you. Medication's helped me tremendously. I mean, I I take an antipsychotic. I'm I'm in the 1.4 percentile of people that do. but And that's if you didn't take that medicine, what would happen? What would your life be like? Um, I would, I would spiral, spiral very frequently and I would spasm in my sleep. Wow. So are you able to remain creative in the midst of the pain? Yes. Really? Yes, and that has come from both medicine, therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, Cognitive therapy. DBT therapy, yes. DBT therapy, yes. Yes. And also, it's come through something that I learned through DBT, which is called radical acceptance. I am sitting here with arguably the most powerful woman on the planet. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I have radically accepted that I will put my shame in a box all the way over there and make it very small. Mm. And say to myself, I have mental health issues. I take a lot of medication to stay on board, and I'm a survivor. And I'm living, and I'm thriving, and I'm strong. And I'm gonna take all my life experiences and I'm gonna share them with the world and make it a better place. Wow.
1: which is what we've been talking about today, that you can't move forward with
2: anything in your life until there is actual radical acceptance. You have got to, I mean, listen, I needed like a glass of wine when they told me this. I remember sitting with my doctor, (laughs) his name's Andy. And Andy's like, you need to radically accept that you're gonna be in pain every day. And I was like, are you? Kidding me? I was like, that's how I'm going to heal? It's just by accepting that I'm going to feel awful all the time. I'm going to be in head-to-toe pain constantly. And he said, you have to radically accept it. And guess what? It took a little while, but I did. And you know what else happened after that? What? Slowly, the pain dissipated slower and slower and slower. And then all of a sudden, I can function. Because I was on the couch, Oprah. I was laid out, I could not move. I was being assessed by doctors. I had a psychotic break. I told you this in our interview before. Yes. They were just trying to see if they could get me to move at one point. And radical acceptance was key. Also being open to taking medicine and also being open to talking about my trauma. And it's one of the hardest things that any human can face, and it's a lot easier to go home and pour, have a bottle of wine, or two, or three, right? Like, just numb it all away, Right. or dig deep. Well, I
1: think this idea of radical acceptance applies to every crisis, every difficulty, every challenge in your life, is what I was saying earlier, that all stress comes from wanting something to be what it isn't and it doesn't change until you first accept
2: it for what it is and then make a decision about what do I do next? It's, it's problem solving. You know, it's uh, something in DBT that they teach you is about emotions and then uh, I'll explain it. So if I say I'm upset, right? Then I'll say, why am I upset? And then I will write down all the reasons and then I will check the facts. and if the emotion of feeling upset fits the facts, then I'll go to the next stage and I will say, okay, what action am I going to take now to solve this problem? So if I'm upset because I'm in pain, right, then what's my action going to be? I'm going to take my medication that's going to help me. I'm going to reach out to a friend or my doctor and tell them that I'm not feeling well. And I'm gonna try to get to the core of the issue inside of me and speak it out into existence and do the cognitive work to say, I am upset because today I am triggered about being raped when I was 19 and I'm having a trauma response and I'm gonna take my medication and I'm going to try to calm down my nervous system as much as possible so that this pain dissipates. And that's the process for you. That
1: is the process.
2: That's one of many processes. I can, I can get triggered by lots of different things, by movies, things that people say, I could get triggered by this conversation. Yeah. I'm not, whatever. I don't want you to be triggered by this conversation.
1: You know what I found interesting? You became famous really quickly, even though there had been so much work put into getting to the point where we then knew you and you became famous. And you made the decision, or have made the decision, that you're not interested in just fame, but you're also looking for impact. I
2: want impact. I always did. I thought it was just through music at one point. I had some dreams of being an actress. And then it really was a spiritual awakening for me. I mean, I consider myself a spiritual, religious woman. I don't go to church every Sunday, but I do pray every day. I prayed like eight times before I came out here with you. (laughs) I was like, God, just tell me what to say (laughs) (laughs) and the truth is that once I became famous I thought to myself well I could I will and I, I want to continue making music I will and want to continue being in movies but I want to help people these people that come to my shows I don't want to just take your money and sing for you. I want to help change your life. And I have all this life experience. And, and I can't, you know, when I talk to God, right? And, you know, whatever you want to call it for yourself, if it's God or the other realm or mm. your angels or... By any name. By any name. It responds. Any gender, right? In response. When I talk to God, I say, tell me what to do. Because I'm being watched, and I want to do the right thing here. So tell me what to say. Tell me how to say it. And help me see the path. And if you show me that path, I will walk down it. And do you know what, Oprah? Look where that path has led me. I am sitting right next to you. Ah.
1: Ah, it does it every time.
2: Asking you shall be
1: given. What has been your greatest spiritual awakening?
2: I think my greatest spiritual awakening actually has been quite recent. I think it's that I realize that I have the chronic pain that I have for a reason. And I don't mean to be like, God gave it to me, you know? And I, I don't, also don't believe in that, like, you know, karma thing where, yeah. like, you're sick because you did something bad. Yeah. But I do believe that this happened for a reason. All the things I've been through, I think they were supposed to happen. I was supposed to go through this. Even the rape? Even the rape. All of it. I think I was supposed to go through all of these things. I radically accept that they happened, and I think it happened because God was saying to me, I'm going to show you pain, and then you're going to help other people who are in pain because you're going to understand it.
1: Because you can't, you can't give what you I don't I can't have. look yeah. away, because yeah.
2: now when I see someone in pain, I can't look away because I go, oh, no, you're in pain. I'm in pain, too, and then now I'm in problem-solving mode. I got my suit on and my heels, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> yes. So this
1: wisdom came from this pain. What has been the lesson that's
2: actually taken you the longest to learn? How to be wise. Ah. See, there is the rational mind and there is the emotional mind. And I think from day to day, we all experience ourselves if we're mindful in some type of way, which I think this is good to be mindful about. Is am I operating from an emotional space today or from a rational space today? Meaning, when I say rational, I mean cerebral, like in- intelligence, thoughts, facts, you know, just really pragmatic and emotional meaning like am I operating from the heart am I really upset because my boyfriend broke up with me and I'm a, I'm a mess you know and I'm just being completely irrational. Wise sits in the center. Wise is when you are both rational and emotional at the same time and those two things meet and you become wise and that was the lesson that I learned. I mean I, I had to learn how to pull myself back from either place and then sit in the center because actually a psychotic break and if you look in the brain or it's sort of a metaphor about the brain it's like if you're centered you're in here because you had a psychotic break I had a psychotic break I'll I'll explain what happened okay (laughs) so if here's my brain right here's my center right and then I was triggered really badly in a court deposition and this part of the brain where you stay centered and you don't disassociate, right? It went like this: it slammed down, and my whole body started tingling, and I started screaming. Where were you? I was in a hospital, oh. and it's very, it's very difficult to describe what it feels like, other than that you first are completely tingling from head to toe and then you go numb but what is essentially happening is the brain goes that's enough i don't want to think about this anymore i don't want to feel this anymore boom and And you literally break from reality as we know it you break from reality as we know it you have no concept of what's going on around you there there is nothing wrong but you are in a traumatic state that you feel like like i remember going into the hospital and screaming, why is no one else panicking? Why aren't you panicking? And then they brought a psychiatrist in, and, then I w- and I'm in head-to-toe pain at the same time, right? And th- they brought in a psychiatrist and I said, can you get me a real doctor? <laughs> and he was like, hey, <laughs> so nice to meet you. And he sat down and I was like, I need medicine. I don't feel well. I can't feel my, like, I- I- help me, right? And then he just said, I need you to explain to me what happened today. And I, I was so annoyed. But I'm, I'm telling you this story because even I, who run Born This Way Foundation with my mother, was irritated that they brought a psychiatrist in to help me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how, like, gone I was. I was so separated from the world and once We started talking, he realized what had happened to me. And then he ordered a medication for me that I took reluctantly at first. And then he became my psychiatrist and assembled a team for me. And I went away to a place that I go to sometimes still for like a reboot. Yeah. And they took care of me. And we got all of the things lined up. And I have a very unorthodox, actually, set of pills that I take. But they saved my life. And I'm very grateful.
1: Well, I think this is, this is remarkable that you feel so open-hearted, vulnerable enough to share this. Was there a time when you were afraid of it getting out? Like Gaga's had a psychotic break, y'all?
2: You know, I think I was more scared of the psychotic break itself than I was about people knowing about it. I mean, when your brain, like, flatlines like that, I mean, it's something I would never want to ever experience ever again. And
1: when that happened, did you, were you thinking about your famed
2: life, your life as Lady Gaga? Were you thinking those days may be over? Were you thinking? I, I was thinking two different things. So to answer your first question, at some point I had to tell people because I can't live a lie. I'm an authentic person and here I am and I'm I'm perfectly imperfect, you know? It's like, and we all are. And, and we all have our things that we go through and I just felt like why wouldn't I share this when I share all of myself with the world all the time? And I could maybe help people that have had psychotic breaks or maybe are on the verge of having one and you know spread my message. But when I was there, one of the very first things that we talked about um, in my therapy work was objectification and that I didn't feel that I belonged to myself anymore. I felt that I belonged to the world. Wow.
1: So, how did you get you back for you?
2: Oh, a lot of hard
1: work. Yeah. Are you still in the process of that?
2: I'm past that part. I, be- I feel that I belong to myself now, and I feel also that I belong to the world. And I've made peace with those things, and I think, and I'm happy with them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes the hard work the same way that this book is hard work. Yeah. Meaning you have to go in and you've got to really answer those questions. Like, don't be, don't be crafty. Don't try to get a good score. I
1: thought some people, we learned a lot by watching people do it today because I think for some people, it's the first time they've ever actually asked themselves that question. Some of these questions. And it takes time to actually think about what your true answers
2: are. And, and also the ego. Yes. It's got to go. Because the ego just wants to score high. The, oh, the ego wants to win the test. Oh, A yes. plus, I'm perfect. Yes. Nope, don't do it. You're doing yourself a major disservice. Go in there and answer those questions authentically and then study them and radically accept your score. This is where I am. And wherever you are, that's where you're supposed to be right now. It's where you're supposed to be right now, and then you can actually problem solve. You cannot problem solve if you're lying to yourself. See, I got to a place where I didn't know who I was anymore, so I broke. My my brain shut off, mm. right? But once I started to get to know myself again, I was able to... Why didn't you
1: know yourself anymore? Is it because you've given so much of yourself to the little monsters, to
2: your fans, to the world, to your work? I just didn't stop moving. I just was moving and moving and working and working and dancing through insurmountable pain. And I will say it took years for me to be diagnosed with fibromyalgia and even if you ask my psychiatrist he doesn't even refer to it as that he'll call it neuropathic pain or a trauma response so i was going to the doctor all the time getting like my whole body x-rayed mri everything for someone to tell me something was wrong like tell me i have a herniated disc or something and they couldn't find anything and it was so so frustrating so i was also on tour dancing in excruciating pain and I I wasn't properly medicated and I wasn't in therapy. And so what were you telling yourself? I was afraid I was going to die. So
1: you're performing on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people all over the world and every night going to bed thinking you were going to die. Yeah. And you lived that way for how
2: long? I would say I lived that way. for about five years. That's so sad. And I radically accept those five years Mm. because they made me who I am. I get that.
1: I get that, but it also feels Gaga, so lonely. You know, I think we live in this Instagrammed world where everybody wants to be famous and they want to post their lives as they want us to think that it is. And this idea of what your life is like and what we see and what we've been exposed to about you. People think, oh, gosh, I would just love to have that life. You can't have this life unless you're willing to have every part of this life yes. including the rape right yep. you have to have ev- take it
2: take it all well including and- the rape and also no one wanting to help me yes. you know in an industry where everyone has someone on each other so no one wants to help you out really oh yeah no one wanted to help me no one wanted to help me go after that person um put that person where they belong, which is jail. Yeah. And um, I'm not ashamed of it, but I, you know, through the whole Me Too movement, have made the personal choice not to say who it is, Mm -hmm. because I choose to not relive it. And that's my personal choice, and I hope that the world respects that.
1: But let's talk about the loneliness for a moment. I think everybody has this assumption that if you're famous, you're always surrounded by people who are doing things for you and you're being supported and nourished and given everything that people imagine in their lives they would want for themselves. But it's also (laughs) a lonely journey.
2: It's, it's, It's lonely. And when you have chronic pain, it's extra lonely because it's just you that has it. And you can't make someone else feel it. You feel completely alone. And let me tell you something. I might be famous, but if you think that someone's bringing me caviar all day, they're more likely to be giving me a bowl of ice to dunk my head in so I don't have a dissociative state. Mm. So my friends that I work with, I don't ever say that people work for me. They take care of me every single day so that I can be healthy and do my work, do what I love, and also because they so much believe in my mission, and for all of them that are here today, I would like to thank you so much for what you have done for me, my my second family, so that I can be here with Oprah and talk to you about this importance of self-care and shine a light on something that is so important. Let's be radical, let's change things. So
1: you had radical acceptance and what you just mentioned, looking at yourself from the point of view of, I just said to a reporter yesterday, giving more love to yourself. How did you learn to move from radical acceptance to radical love for yourself first?
2: Well, you know, some days are better than others. Some days I have lots of self-love. Some days I have less. Some days I have lots of self-confidence. Some days I have less. But I had to radically just accept that. That every day can be different, and that's okay. It doesn't mean we're not moving forward. In therapy, they say sometimes when you take three steps forward, you might also take one step back. What's important is to try to keep tabs on making sure that if you take two steps forward, you don't also do something that takes you 10 steps backwards at the same time. So, you know, my practice and my commitment is gratitude. And- Gratitude even in the midst of the pain? Gratitude even in the midst of the pain. I do this all the time. I will be laying on my porch in pain crying and I will say, thank you, God, for this pain. Thank you, I surrender it to you. This pain is- meant for me and my body right now. I'm here in this moment and I'm learning. Thank you for teaching me. Wow, amen to that.
1: So what's the things that you do on a regular basis to keep yourself whole? Medication, so you're medicated all the time?
2: Yes, every day. Every day. What's your ritual? If I took my pillbox out, it would sound like a rattle, like a baby rattle. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean i don't mean to laugh but it's kind of funny and and has you but i'm healthier than i've ever been oh. in my whole life does the medication affect your creative process at all it does not affect my creative process i don't take anything that does when i get further down the road of creating this epicenter of mental health and healing, I will share more with the world on a scientific level so what you're these not, medicines are. You're not on pain medication. I take no narcotics at all. No pain med no no. Yeah. If I if I call my doctor and I'm in a lot of pain and I say I I I, I need something to take this pain away, it's this too much. It's been you know, it's been 11 days. It's been 11 days. <laughs> he says, "Well, you can go to the hospital and you can ask them to give you pain medication and then I'm gonna tell them no. And what they're gonna give you is already in your purse. So just go to your purse and take your medication mm-hmm. and be in pain in the privacy of your own home. And he, he doesn't mean it to be not nice to me. It's just that this is how we keep me safe, you know? And this is how I wanna keep the world safe as well. I don't want people in pain taking pain medication. This is not the way that this is going to work. People will become addicted. And there is a correlation between mental health and chronic pain and mental health is the biggest crisis in the world, right? So what's happening is while mental health is the biggest health crisis that we have, right? There's also chronic neuropathic pain being produced by this.
1: So I wanna just be clear because I don't want people leaving here today saying, you know, she's on drugs.
2: I want to be very clear. So you're on antidepressants? I'm on antidepressants. I am on a medicine called methylcarbamol. And I am on an antipsychotic called olanzapine. Lanzapine. And I take a few other things that are uh, stress-based. Yeah. Um, but I want to be very careful about saying any of this you know, in a public way to tell anyone what to take. It's not the same for everyone. So I wanna be very clear that if you feel that you need help, you need to go to a psychiatrist, and you need to be properly evaluated by that psychiatrist so that you can get the help that you truly need. What I take is not necessarily what you need to take.
1: And did you have to go through a series of different drugs until you got the right one? Because I know a lot of times I've been with people. Yes, I did.
2: I did, I had to go through a series. And actually, uh, one that helped me the most was a drug called Modafinil. I don't know if anyone knows that drug, but um, in the morning, when I wake up, I'm in tremendous pain most of the time, and it just kind of turns the lights on, and my brain just kind of wakes up, and then before I know it, the pain starts to dissipate a little bit, but no narcotics. No narcotics. No pain pills. No pain pills. No Xanax.
1: Not even a Xanax. Not even a Xanax. Okay. I'm
2: not judging you. Okay, don't. <laughs> I mean, we could, ma- we could offline have a conversation about other drugs that are better than Xanax okay. maybe. Well, listen, I only,
1: I started taking Xanax after my dog Luke. was. T- we needed Luke to take Xanax to fly because he was like a wreck flying. And it calmed him so I thought, I might need one of those.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, when I'm traveling, you, traveling, or when you sign your tax returns, do probably when I'm traveling, <laughs> no, no.
1: When I'm traveling, and I'm in various time zones. That I can't get to sleep. I take a ha- half of one of Luke's pills. <laughs> sometimes well,
2: you, you looked at me with such shame in your eyes. There is no shame. Okay, okay, I I'm just telling you. It's okay. Okay, okay. There's okay, no okay, shame. Like, I it. have my baby rattle. Okay. Okay. And you have your Xanax, and we all need our things. Okay. I, I don't call it
1: Xanax. I call it Luke's pills. <laughs> what, what, <Lucy? laughs> my dog named Luke. That's oh, my dog's name, Luke. Luke's pills.
2: Anyway. <laughs> no, no shame. No shame. No shame. No shame. Actually, that is very important because, look, it might be a process, you know, and you might have to try this and then try that, but the important thing is that you're working with someone that's an expert in medicine. So please, when you leave here today, having heard from me about this or anyone that's watching this later, you know, please leave knowing that I'm sharing my personal experience with you, but I am not prescribing you.
1: For and sure. I, we and got I, that, right? You
2: understand? Yes. I, okay. And I am not at liberty to prescribe you. I just am sharing my story, and I have an unorthodox box of medication, and it has changed my life. So you use medication, but you also do many other
1: things to keep yourself spiritually sound yes, and so centered. Yes,
2: so I meditate. Yeah. I do transcendental meditation. Um, it's, it's great. Yeah. uh bob roth taught me bob roth taught me oh. okay isn't he great he's great, he's great. sorry okay uh, uh, so i do that and when i slip up on it you know it's not the best because it's better when i do and sometimes i can be in a ton of pain and meditate and it goes away it's amazing uh, i also work out every day but i also listen to my body so if i'm in a lot of pain and deep stress I might not do either as hard of a workout or I might not work out at all. I do listen to my body and I listen to what it's telling me. I do talk therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy. And I also do lots of other things like um, opposite action, for example. So let's say you're feeling really depressed and you're at home and you've been at home for seven days straight and you just can't leave the house and you're just... You practice opposite action someone invites you to go somewhere or you reach out to a friend and you say hey you want to play a game of poker get up get in your car and go opposite action that's something that I do all the time
1: so you're actively working on yourself all the time
2: all the time I actively work on myself I have to if I don't I will sit and I will be in pain all day so
1: when is the process of creating LG6
2: happening? For years? For years. For years. Not four years, but for years. Okay. And it's happening? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We're having a self-care conversation, but I still am going to make music. Don't worry. <laughs> Because we were talking earlier,
1: I was talking earlier to Julianne Huff and she said the dance is your superpower.
2: Oh yeah. Your superpower power is music? You know, I think I have a few superpowers. I just haven't used them all yet. Uh, I'm getting ready. I've got a wand in my purse. <laughs> I know
1: your superpower certainly one of them was creating the Born This Way Foundation. I think it's one of the greatest things you've done. Thank
2: you.
1: Not only did you have that great anthem that became an anthem for so many people's lives to say, I radically accept myself as I am because I was born this way. So tell us what you intended, because intention is so important to
2: us, what you intended when you created the work of that foundation. The work of that foundation was something that a lot of people didn't understand for a long time. Yeah. They're like, what do you guys do? Like, you raise money for what? And we were like, uh, for a kinder and braver world. And they would go. <laughs> I'm like, that, it's really that simple. We just, we want to create a kinder and braver world. And they're like, I don't understand. So what we do is we do research and we also provide resources so that people can learn more about mental health, the importance of kindness, and also we've put mental health first aid in schools around the country. And, as also part of my commitment, this might be separate from the other epicenter of healing work that I want to do, is I want a mental health professional in every school in this country. We need it. And, we need it. I want mental health to be its own class. What is health class, sex ed? Is that what we're still doing, is sex ed? I don't even know. I mean, like, what are we learning about in, in, in health class? We should be learning about the brain. And you the heart. We should be learning about the brain and And the mind and, and the body and its connection and all the things. Yes. So I want there to be someone in every school that someone can go to if they're in, in need of help or that someone can go to if they see that someone else needs help. And then at the same time, it is a requirement in every school that you learn about the importance of kindness, you learn about triggers, you learn about depression. of the population is suffering from depression and it's because of loneliness. This is because of our cell phones and social media. This is not lonely because we don't have partners. We are literally collapsing around each other. All, there's all these walls and we're collapsing around each other, unable to have this personal, interpersonal connection. It's gotta stop. It's gotta stop. And I know
1: one of the things you're doing at the Born This Way Foundation is uh, your approach to courage is to take little bites of bravery and teaching other people how to, which I love this idea of little bites of bravery.
2: Just be a little braver every day. You know, like if you feel like you can't do something, just, just go do a little, just a little bit. And I promise you before you know it, you're taking a big old bite of bravery, and it's amazing, and it can be something small. Like, for me, if I don't feel well, and maybe I have an off day, I have nothing to do, but I don't feel well, simply by, you know, taking a bath, and massaging some CBD oil on my body, and then going to the mirror, brushing my hair, putting on some makeup, getting dressed, you know, these are also things that you learn in DBT, right? That if you don't feel well, whether it's mind or body, just you got to keep moving, you got to keep going. It's called throwing yourself into the moment. Throw yourself into the moment, to take a little bit of a bite of that bravery. Even if you only make it to the bath and you don't make it to the mirror, you did something.
1: And I know that for you, I would say gratitude is my religion. It's the thing I practice with, you know, deep consciousness and a sense of like, regularity and discipline about it. And for you, that is kindness.
2: It is kindness. Kindness heals the world.
1: Yes, yes. And I
2: have actually my commitment here.
1: I wanna hear your commitment.
2: I commit to gratitude, to bring the greatest minds I can find in the world together to one by one solve the mental health crisis that is plaguing our world. I want to create an epicenter of healing because when I give to others, I give also back to myself.
1: Indeed. Lady Gaga gave up her vacation to come and sit and share her truth with us. Thank and can you. And I just say, Oprah, I love you. I love you back, girl. I love
2: you back. Lady Gaga!